what's with the Mike Oxmall? What is that? Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh my gosh, Chris, I'm gonna have to send you a little. I'm gonna have to send you. A video. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that because I've seen it. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 11 of 2022. I'm Chris Louie, and I'm happy to say Happy Pi Day, everyone! This is also the last episode before our 52nd episode, which will mark our one-year anniversary of doing the podcast. Brian is out this week, and we are keeping the Deach family in our thoughts and prayers, so if any of you personally know him, I know he would appreciate a kind note sent his way. Who we do have this week is Glenn Medina, who is currently preparing his pool for spring, where he will be taking most of his sales calls from. Everyone, thanks for joining us on number 51 here. Yes, I'm prepping for the summer. The weather has been great. And who isn't ready for some warmer weather right now, right? So I'll be honest in saying that my, it's my, that my plants and trees are very confused because one day it's super cold and the next day it's nice in the 70s. And uh, it's just going crazy right now. I'm just about done with building that platform heater for my heater for my pool, and uh, it, it should be good to go here. I, I should be swimming in the next two weeks. That sounds amazing. And filling in for Brian this week, we have a return guest, our colleague Chris Young, coming straight out of Canada. Welcome, Chris. Great to be here again, and I'm I'm a little confused, not just by Fahrenheit, but by also this thing that you call warm weather. Because, yeah. <laughs> well, how much longer do you have snow on the ground over there, Chris? Um, the snow piles in the parking lots because that's usually April, sometimes May. Um, we could we could start to see grass here. I don't know, maybe mid April. That's another two months. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> not fun. The so, groundhog yeah, did not yeah, see a shadow this this year yeah. in Canada. We are well into um, the right above zero slushy mess, which freezes overnight and creates uh, skating rinks, which is kind of awesome. So, If you like skating rinks, I guess Canada's a place to go. Uh, yes, but it's the skating rink while driving vehicles that makes it all the more interesting. So, yes. <laughs> it's a good place to practice that defensive ice driving then. Fun fact, there are two Chris Youngs at our company, and I did not think that was a very common name, but apparently it is. So, Chris Young, have you met your doppelganger in person yet? I have not met him in person, and um, having the name, I pay a little more attention. Uh, it's actually a common enough name that there was five of us at a prior life. Four of us were in networking, three of us were in engineers, and it, it kind of gave you those existential questions. When emails come to you, and you know it's not for you, but you also know the answer, <laughs> do you respond or not? It is. That's quite the dilemma. I think so that depends on character, right? I, it, it does, and, and you know we try to be good people. Um, thankfully, all the Chris Youngs I've ever met we're very good at affording emails to who they belong to. So yes, the other Chris Young is a great guy. Uh, and yes, we, we are uh, constantly sending each other meetings that we're like, is this you or me? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, predating emails, if you got a call that say, hey, Chris, I need you to take care of something for me. Do you continue on that, that thread? Or do you kind of pull the strings a little bit to see how this is going to go? Or do you go, no, it's wrong, Chris? You always pull that thread. <laughs> 
<laughs> Always. The social engineer in me just wants to know, right? How far can I get this? So it's like, hey, Chris, uh, this is HR. Did you know about this violation that so-and-so did? And you're like, hmm, that's not me. I don't do that job. Do I pull this thread and find out a little bit more? Well, I did have a boss who got escalated because um, somehow my email address got assigned to somebody else who was supposed to be doing like some approval in the system somewhere. And my boss ends up calling me up at like nine o'clock at night because I've, I'm past the 48, you know, emails, cat sleeping with dogs, chaos, all the stuff that happens. And he's like, you must do this now. And I kind of paused and I'm like, you know, that's not my job, right? Like we're, we're clear on this. And he went, what? Which I think that right there is a statement on, you know, corporate America in itself. <laughs> Very true. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. For opening topic, this show will be released on March 14th, Pi Day, which marked exactly two years after the United States went into lockdown under the campaign of two weeks to flatten the curve. Now, there are strong feelings regarding this topic, the efficacy of shutdowns, masks, vaccines, but... One thing that's undeniable is that COVID changed the world forever. Reflecting on the past two years, what would you say your highlights and lowlights were? For me, the highlights, I'd have to say, at the time it was painful and pretty mentally taxing and stressing beyond anything I've ever done, but the fondest memories I have of lockdown was the time I got to spend with the family. For the majority of lockdown, we didn't even see our parents or anyone outside our immediate household. It was 24 by 7 with the wife and two young kids while we were both working full-time. I work in cybersecurity. My wife works in a field that also thrived during the pandemic. There was no shortage of work. Uh, low light would be, besides all the people we lost, it goes without saying, the number of businesses that, that went under despite government assistance programs. People losing their jobs and permanently leaving the job market. It was a very difficult time for many people and, and sometimes we'll just never get back. I remember some restaurants in my area and some entertainment spots. Like there was this one place called Pika Pika up in San Francisco's Japantown. That was a photo booth arcade where you could take pictures in different photo booths with different effects. And then uh, there was also the yoga studio that my wife went to. They, they also went under uh, the combination of just open again, close again, open again, close again. And just that the random patchwork of restrictions, mask on, mask off. Yes, you could do this. No, you can't do that. Uh, they just couldn't get reliable instructors or clients to come back, so they shut down for good. So uh, they will be missed. I'll let Chris go first. I want to hear the Canadian side of this. I, a lot of the same, honestly. The um, I think it's the good and the bad uh, it, it are the ones that are high in my mind right now is that in Canada, we started, we shut down on March 6th, two years ago, which is also happens to be my daughter's birthday. Oh no. So she would have turned nine. She, or she, she would have, she did turn nine. There's nothing to happen. She's still alive. <laughs> All good there. Uh, but, but we had the party planned. Um, and I had spent probably close to two months, um, doing a combination of Python coding to be able to take pictures from an, a uh, RSTP stream from a camera and then to load it onto a wall of LifeX tiles. And um, I had all of these amazing uh, black lights up and glow in the dark, like full on nine year old girl, like she would have been in heaven from a dance party. Yeah. And 
nobody came to the party. Oh, man. Which, that, you know, given the amount of preparation I put into it, not to mention the fact that now my little girl didn't get to have her friends over. Like, you get it, you get by. Uh, but we actually had, two years later, we had the party last weekend. So, you know, good news, bad news situation that eventually, and and the happy birthday in glow-in-the-dark stickers on the wall, yes, it was up for the whole two years. <laughs> it does still say you're, you're <laughs> nine or congrats on being nine. Well, we kept it at happy birthday uh, because my girlfriend's son has the exact same birth date as my daughter. And so we're all blended family, all living together, but one year apart. So we, we kind of didn't go for an age on the wall because, you know, yeah. now she's 11 and he's turned just turned 12. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And for anybody at home, if you can't see, yes, that's green nail polish because I was the victim. <laughs> that's, ah. that's what happens. That's what happens with girls' birthday parties is dads get nail polish. And here I was thinking you went to a rave of some kind. <laughs> no, no, no. Nothing, nothing, nothing awesome. And Chris gets the dad of the year award on that one for sure. Nice. I, I, I'll, I'll go. I, I, the highlight and the low light. And they're both at the same time. I got to spend a lot of time with my family. <laughs> so, <laughs> sort of like a be careful so, what you wish for kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you go from, you know, not seeing them. You know, I've got two away in college and one in high school and, you know, being able to see them all the time, right? I thought that was great. But then you realize, wow, I'm seeing them a lot of the time. I think our internet usage went from like, I think like 600, was it gigabits per month? to like 1.5 use utilization like so I, I think we peaked out our our xfinity uh, max bandwidth there thank goodness i think xfinity gave like three months free i think in that in that initial period yeah they suspended um, the cap for some period yeah they pretty much yeah. had Glenn, to. a piece of advice there are some questions you just don't ask because you don't want the answers to <laughs> Just don't look. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, you have to look because if you don't, if they charge an extra, was it uh, like 10 bucks? Per, 10 bucks for 50 gigs. Yeah, for 50 gigs. And you're like, no, I got to look because now I got to go add this on, right? I don't care what they're surfing. It was the fact that we were exceeding that. And then at, the, at some point in time, you know, Xfinity decided to take away that, that, you know, take away the no limits after a period of time. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with my father, you know, God rest his soul. He, you know, just recently passed away, you know, a month and a half ago. Um, I miss him dearly. He drove me crazy, but I, you know, like I said, I got to spend some really quality time, real quality time with him and my mom, which was, like I said, I'll never be able to replace that. Um, we built a pool and it was mind numbingly scary how prices increased each month for pool parts and pool labor and everything else, or just the labor in general. I'm, I'm glad to have that piece done. We're glad to have the pool in place and we're ready to, you know, go into phase whatever now of party sessions with, you know, in the backyard, making more memories of family. The low light, I think was the toilet paper water gate for me. It was <laughs> the shortage of the week, the basically. Right? What happened in what in the hell happened to people's mindsets that they had to go out there and buy like three packs of Costco toilet paper at one time that everywhere across the world you couldn't find toilet paper. You go into a public restroom, you couldn't find toilet paper. And that's if you could get into a public restroom, right? So yeah, that was quite funny how... how people and and their thought patterns uh were going about things yeah, just that psychology but, like people think there's a shortage they go out and buy it and then they create a shortage and then people think there's a shortage and you're you're stuck in this cycle 
Yeah. But uh, there there is karma. The people who bought it all and then tried to resell it and had it confiscated. Yeah. That was kind of awesome. I did appreciate that. Yeah. They got confiscated. Who got confiscated? They there was there was a couple people who bought like some obscene amounts like filled up on the Costco pallets and they were holding on to it with the idea like it's it's a crypto scheme. I'm going to hold on yeah. to it, wait till it gets higher and then resell. And they came in and just said, "Nope." Yeah. And took yeah. it all. Amazon cracked down on that like people selling bottles of hand sanitizer for like 80 bucks. Like they cracked down yeah. on that. Some people actually got prosecuted for like uh, some obscure price gouging law. But yeah. There were people that were actually prosecuted for doing stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you one thing that came out of this, right? Um, out of that whole deal, my wife wanted to get a bidet. You guys know what a bidet is? Kind of yeah. washer tushy type thing. Yeah. And I told her, absolutely not. But she we went out and bought one, and then I never installed it. And then I quickly <laughs> returned it back because there's no way. Just not me. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm good. So Yeah, I've never tried one. I hear they're amazing, and I believe it. I'm sure they are, but yeah, that's probably not my cup of tea this is not where i expected this conversation to go (laughs) welcome to the pep cack (laughs) and i will leave you guys wondering whether or not i enjoyed that warm goodness (laughs) all right on that mysterious note uh for our first uh, for our first topic this will be related to ransomware so we're going to call it our ransomware story of the week a ransomware crew claims to have broken into nvidia the chip maker and graphics card producer, and they ransomware a bunch of their infrastructure, stole an enormous amount of source code and valuable data. The attackers seem to be upset that NVIDIA crippled their graphics card so they would not be efficient for mining Ethereum, but they could work fine to play video games. This move came after complaints that hardcore gamers just could not find any NVIDIA graphics cards just to play games because they were being bought by cryptocurrency miners. NVIDIA is refusing to pay the ransom, so the stolen data is beginning to show up on the ransomware leak sites. Based on the stolen data, hackers claim to have a bypass created for the graphics cards throttling. They also leaked NVIDIA's code signing certificate, the one they used to digitally sign their drivers into Windows, the corresponding private key, which means now anyone can sign their code and pretend to be NVIDIA. What could possibly go wrong? Lots of things. My gosh. All the things. <laughs> all the things. Yes to all of the above. So teenage boys who want graphics cards that can now have anything installed on them by anyone. Well, it's, it's actually worse than that. The, you can create a piece Steam of malware. wasn't a problem already. <laughs> yeah. You can create a piece of malware, sign it as NVIDIA, and Windows will, Windows will load it without question because NVIDIA is an approved you know, certificate authority or a trusted vendor. Oh yeah, so you don't even need the uh, the graphics card yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah, you just create. So there are there's actually virus total. So you know virus total people upload malware there, and you can tell whether something's malicious or not. So virus total has seen a flood of malware using Nvidia's code signing certificate on things like Cobalt Strike beacons, Mimikatz, backdoors, remote access Trojans, because these threat actors can make their programs look like legitimate NVIDIA programs and allow these malicious drivers to be installed by Windows, and Windows will not question it because it's it's signed by NVIDIA. 
But is it, I mean, if we're looking at keys, though, there, there has to be a revocation to this, right? So Microsoft in itself should be able to revocate those keys. But then again, at the same time, they'll probably break a whole bunch of legitimate NVIDIA traffic as well, right? Well, in, NVIDIA would have to do the revocation process, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Glenn and Chris, you're both exactly correct. So the a possible solution is to revoke the certificates. And these, these code signing certs have been expired. They expired in 2014. But the way code signing certs are are accepted in Windows means that even though it's expired, Windows will still accept it. And that's mainly for backwards compatibility because if I bought a video card in 2013, it should still work in my computer in, in 2022. So they can revoke it. But if they do, my my video card from 2013 will cease to work unless NVIDIA updates it with a new legitimate certificate. You're much more optimistic than I am. Your hardware that you bought in 2012 <laughs> or 2022 on Windows? Hey, watch it. I still have an iPhone 8, and I just went to go get the battery replaced today. So <laughs> I have a USB to serial console cable that hasn't worked on since Windows XP, something like that. Plugged into my Mac, worked immediately. True. Yeah. So what you're saying is go to Mac. <laughs> I, you can draw your conclusion. <laughs> it, it, any idea if this is a problem on Mac devices that use... Well, actually, there are no Mac devices that use NVIDIA cards, are there? I think there okay. are, but these the code signing... The, the way that Windows loads drivers, so things like Secure Boot, you can't boot into any driver you can't load any driver into windows unless it's digitally signed so secure boot that that's a, a windows thing mac does a much 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 better way of ensuring that their applications are notarized by apple that their mm -hmm. drivers are are signed they don't allow like kernel level extensions anymore mac has an ecosystem overall much tighter on security than windows just simply because windows has so much legacy support they have to support things that go back to like xp whereas mac they can drop the hammer and said, yeah, 32-bit apps. Yep, no more. No more. Too bad. Copy Call to me cynical, but they don't even need NVIDIA. They would just say, no, sorry, your Intel, gone. Just go get an M1. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Sigh. <laughs> sigh, sigh. <laughs> I don't think any of us really care that this have no Windows machines. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. uh, It affects my son. It affects my son, right? I've got... Um, He's got his gaming machine that he put together before all this happened that does have NVIDIA cards in it. And yeah, it's it's something to watch for because it's going to be on my home network, right? So I got to be concerned about that. That's the the whole implication of this is you're only as strong as your weakest link. Yeah, and I wonder that, if there's like, if you know that you're not affected, can you put that certificate thumbprint or serial number in your manually in your revocation list. That that might be one way to do it, since Windows can't mass do it without breaking a ton of things. But if you know you don't have a video card from 2013, then just re put this in the untrusted folder. It might be a manual way to, to, to do that. How many people are really going to do that, though? They're, what's the reality other than they're real security-minded folks? And those real security-minded folks are probably running Linux, right? They're, they're probably running a Mac maybe a small amount running windows yeah. but that's just a guess on my part right so yeah, the venn diagram of know enough to know it's a thing have the skills <laughs> to do something about it and haven't been burnt out into the man it's all a dumpster fire anyways i don't care category there's like brian 
Brian might do it. <laughs> As a one one person <laughs> in the overlap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the the lesson here for NVIDIA at least is you need to keep your certificates and private keys on an HSM or a smart card and not keep it connected to the network. Amen, brother. <laughs> With the, how's that how is that not a thing? in order to get certification and why is an hsm still a topic of discussion as far as folks not doing or using i don't get it yeah because there's lots of people out there who don't know they learn how to run a pki infrastructure by reading their microsoft documentation (laughs) using active directory certificates sub one you you laugh but in, in enterprise space like outside of the financials, outside of, of people who actually get cryptology and, and encryption, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of those who are still in that space of the, you're doing your best, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to follow the documentation, and sadly enough, I don't think we should uh, shame them in, into doing anything other than their best, but yes. It's the tyranny of the default. Yeah. Yes. I get that, Chris, but we're talking about a large conglomerate here. <laughs> yeah, and shame on you, NVIDIA. <laughs> yeah, shame on you. Public shaming should be allowed for them. I'm outvoted. Shame on you, NVIDIA. <laughs> <laughs> we swayed him, Glenn. We swayed him. There you go. There you go. Peer pressure. <laughs> All right, for our, our next topic, just like our ransomware story of the week, I foresee a new segment for our show called What's New in the Russia-Ukraine Conflict This Week. Aside from Putin indiscriminately shelling nuclear reactors and civilian targets, the cyber war has also made an escalation. In response to massive DDoS attacks against Russian website, Russia has made most of their internet-facing websites, quote, private by only allowing access from Russian IP addresses. It's not that Russian internet has gone dark, it's only that you can access it from inside of Russia. This makes their web page appear to be down unless you access it from a computer on the Russian internet or through a VPN that terminates in Russia. Well, a Ukrainian cybersecurity firm is now offering hackers bounties of up to $100,000 if vigilante hackers can take down a Russian website. This is one way the world is trying to help out Ukraine if you don't have the financial means to help out with humanitarian aid or you cannot physically go there and fight or provide support, get conscripted into this digital army and help take down Russian websites. On last week's episode, when we spoke to Sahir and SP, they thought it was a bad idea to have a vigilante army go after Russia because it can lead to many unintended consequences, and I tend to agree with them. While it's hilarious to beat Russia at its own game, the potential to majorly break something is just too high. I I think this is, yeah, it's starting to cross. Like when it's it's indiscriminately any Russian website, I would agree that's crossing the line, right? If you're looking over specific targets, like I apply the same thing. What would happen here if they started, if if a group started targeting um, critical infrastructures, right? There, there's a lot of collateral damage potential there, not to mention, like, is that really a not, no pun intended here, but you really want to poke the bear, right? Like that's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You kind of go both ways. You can go both ways here, right? Like, what did Russia do on the first days of the attack? They bombed a nuclear facility. 
<laughs> you got to be like, guys, what are you thinking? Right? It's you like have why some would kind you? Of norms. Yeah, you got to have. Yeah, you, that's like out of bounds. You shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff, right? So, but then again, who can really control what the masses do? Right? I don't know. I I, I get it. Like. You know, you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing a lot of things, but for some reason, there there seems to be a big upswell right now against Russia. Yeah, and and it's yeah, my heart bleeds for for all of it right now. It shouldn't have happened. It is happening. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what's their end game too? So this Ukrainian company wants to take down Russian website. What's their end game? Like if you take down their, their equivalent of the IRS, let's say people can't pay their taxes. Like, is that really going to stop Putin from you know, this incursion in Ukraine? I mean, they, they, their economy has been just smashed with, with sanctions and people can't get money in or out of the country. And that hasn't dissuaded him one bit. What, what good is going to be taking down a couple of you know, Russian websites? I guess it really depends on what that what those websites service, right? I, I think as Chris was stating, if if it's infrastructure, then it, that's huge. But I doubt those things are public facing. Yeah, that's true. So I did hear. I'll have to find the article to make sure I'm, I'm telling the truth here. But I did hear that one reason why you know, Ukraine has been able to mobilize and put up such resistance is because the Russian army is not using. Uh, cell phone jamming technology or communications jamming technology. And the reason they can't use it is because the Russian army itself does not have secure comms that if they scramble people's cell phones and other types of communications, the Russian army themselves cannot communicate with each other because they don't have secure comms. So if you can do something like take out the their cell network or their communications network, it's not we know it's not a secure network, uh, maybe that would be worthwhile because then these Russian forces wouldn't be able to mobilize and coordinate and maybe that might do some good in, on stopping their, their progress. Oh, they're not going to be able to pay their cell phone bills soon. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta find a company that still accepts rubles. Yeah, there's, there's just parts of this that I just kind of go, well, so send, you know, there's stories about people booking Airbnbs to support them. Like, but how are you in places where you can't actually transfer money to them? How are you going to transfer money? Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's all sorts of, of just, we haven't seen a conflict like this in my lifetime, in any of our, our lifetimes. Yeah. And just the, the implications of how technology has transformed all of this is, is I think going to be, um, we're going to, we're going to keep finding things out for years to come. Yeah. I, I read an article about a, an American company has developers in Russia and then they work on a mobile app and there's no way to pay them. They've been cut off from the, the banking system, the SWIFT system, the payroll. They can't do payroll. So one way around that is you send them some Bitcoin, you send them cryptocurrency that knows no boundaries, no borders, no one can control it, except that companies like Coinbase are starting to uh, reject things like cash out. You can't sell Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in Russia now. They, you can't cash out. So even that's not, no longer an avenue to, to get paid. which happened in canada like three weeks ago really yeah that was part of the emergency powers act that got enacted with that whole freedom convoy thing um they've enacted powers that they're going to be able to start controlling crowdfunding and at least look at some of the crypto sales that are happening within the canadian jurisdiction see i'm telling you guys the only way the only the only good source of wealth right now in these times is pure gold and precious metals so if you've got, if you've got a bunch of it yeah if you've got some hold on to it <laughs> so, yeah 
Yeah, it's kind of like that John Wick story, right? Like he he busts open his floor, and there's He's a whole bunch of gold, uh, coins. gold coins. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's what pays his way through the doorways. So yes. no inflation, you know, it's a finite yeah. amount. That's it. Yeah, crypto was supposed to solve that. So I I can see like decentralized finance when a company like Coinbase can't freeze your account and you could do like peer to peer payments. That that could be one possible way around it. But like if you're in the middle of Russia and you have hundred thousand dollars worth of bitcoin you're rich but you can't go to the grocery store and buy bread with it at least i don't yeah. think you can I, unless you find the right and, and that's probably that's probably another topic for another day right is like how viable is bitcoin in the event of an emp right i get you can do offline wallets but can you cash them out what's the reality inside that versus something that's physical like a diamond like a like a piece of gold or or because money at that point they were talking about people withdrawing like half a billion rubles and it couldn't even buy them bread right there, there were story I, I heard there were stories about that so the reality is you know monetarily there's a lot of things that just go belly up but it, when it comes time to you know at, at, at the end of it like what are the things that really still trade in value Sure answer, Glenn. No, Bitcoin won't work after an EMP, but we'll uh, we'll get into that as on a future topic. Yeah, that yeah. social contract of why do we agree that shiny rocks are worth more than other rocks? Yeah, like, exactly. It's because it's because we agree. It, well, it's it's also because it's been going on since the beginning of time, right? I mean, those rocks have been there forever, even though they've been in the ground, right? So, I mean, that's been... Yes, I mean, it was shells create, and eggs and everything else before that, right? So, If you can create a manufactured diamond chemically that, for all intents and purposes, is you're, you're unable to tell the difference between that and a normal... Like, they, they actually got flaws into them. Yeah. At, at what point is it just, we just agree because we agree? Yeah, it's it's and you're right. It's it's a barter system, right? It's what's valuable. I mean, I can go trade my wife's Beanie Baby collection, and as long as I can make some money, I think I'll be okay, right? But somebody has to want it in order for me to barter something for it. Please, please ask her first. You might not be okay. <laughs> Do not get me started on the De Beers Diamond Cartel. That could be another topic for another day. All right, for our our next topic, we're actually going to blend a ransomware story of the week with the Russia-Ukraine story of the week. It may surprise you that something more than money is motivating the ransomware crews. About a week ago, a Twitter account appeared online and started sending well-known security researchers and reporters such as Brian Krebs a whole lot of information about the Conti ransomware crew. He, This leaker, we believe it's a male, he leaked almost two years worth of internal chat logs between the Conti crew members Bitcoin addresses, org charts, law enforcement evasion techniques, and much, much more. Malika would go on to release the actual source code for the Conti ransomware. Now, the Conti leaker's motivation was a statement that the Conti ransomware crew had made that they are officially backing the Russian government in its war and invasion of Ukraine. Some people forget that a lot of cybercrime does come out of Ukraine, so we could be seeing a spy versus spy moment when the ransomware crews start turning on each other. So I actually have a chart here. There are about 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. There's 16 different groups there. Some of them are ransomware groups, some of them are DDoS groups, some of them are hacking groups. And they've actually all pledged allegiance to Ukraine or Russia. I'm actually seeing a little bit more on the Ukraine side. 
I think this goes back down to is what's the origin of the of what Putin's after Putin's after, right? So it's is he after the land or is he after resources or is, you know he he says it's all about unification of of the of of, of the, the the Russians to begin with, right? Because of whatever cleansing the Ukrainians are doing, right? But ugh, I think we have to boil this down a little bit more. I don't think any of us are qualified to boil it down, sadly <laughs> enough. But we yeah. can chat. That's what's great about where we live right now is we can surely talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so, so right? Chris Young and I were talking before the podcast. We were actually both international relations majors, poli-sci majors with a, a focus on interna international law and, and, and the like. And I was actually just thinking that one of the things that, that we studied was something called the rational actor model. When you have two states that are fighting or two states that are in, in conflict, um, you need rational people on both sides to, to resolve the conflict and to under, really understand motivations. And I think that in this case, I don't think we're dealing with two rational people, the head of Ukraine versus the head of, head of Russia. At least I can say at least one of them is not rational. And that makes it that much more difficult to understand some of the motivations here. Or, or at least no definition of, of rational that I can get inside his head. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he that, thinks that, he's rational be, and this makes sense. But for the rest of the world, at least from, from our perspective, yeah, we don't and, think And it's who rational. knows, it may be simple as um, pre-USSR. It used to be ours. It should, should still be. Yeah. Well, then where does it stop, though? Because then it just keeps going to the other the other countries as the well. The Italians right? are going to take all of Europe now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Ah, there's Germany, right? I think it all belonged to Germany. Yeah, it was Al Germania. Oh, Rome, Rome had it first. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Rome had it first. Come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so some of the hacking groups I want to call out here. So Conti is backing Russia. No question about that. Sandworm, again, Russia. No question about that, considering they probably are an, an arm of the Russian government. Uh, Anonymous, the collective uh, group backing Ukraine. Belarusian cyber partisans, uh, Ukraine as well. I think they were the ones that hacked the Belarusian rail system. Uh, there's there's a, a group called Against the West, but they're aligning with Ukraine. They're a data breach and ransomware gang. Uh, raid forums, Ukraine, NetSec, Ukraine, Free Civilian, backing Russia. So this this actually is a very much we're taking sides on this. It's it's you're either with us or against us. Uh, something I found fascinating is I, I I haven't read all the two years worth of chats. There's no way I can get through all that, but I've read some summaries of it. Uh, what I found fascinating was just how much ransomware life is just like real corporate life. One of the parallels that I, I draw and when I teach people about ransomware is the ransomware crews today, they operate like corporations. They have an HR department. They have a finance department. Um, for this Conti group, you know, people have to put in PTO requests. If they're going to be taking time off. They have to get it approved by their manager. They invite each other out for drinks after work. They complain about management. So, I mean, the, the message here is even in crime, you have to be careful what you say on corporate chat. That's too funny, but I think we've talked about this for quite some time now. That we there were, it was, it, what's next? Four hundred one k package, pension, dental, you know, yeah. dental, medical. So maybe they get paid in 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 crypto, crypto, crypto yeah, and, not rubles anymore. It, 
Hey, hey, and don't forget, you know, there's a sales team out there that's selling this stuff, right? So do they get a percentage of the commissions that come across as well? So, And they're probably heavily leveraged, so they get, you know, yeah. Good comp plan. <laughs> yeah, good comp plan. <laughs> do they get SEs? Job? I, I'm, I'm in the wrong business, Job guys. Security? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know what? I can kiss my kids at night and feel good about myself, so I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. can't put a price on being able to live with yourself. Or not having to look over your shoulder and wonder if someone's going to put a bullet in your head, right? Or the police come and handcuff you and haul you away. So I, I, I'll be okay. I think we talked about this in one of our very first episodes where I don't like handcuffs. I don't look good in silver handcuffs and or, or behind bars, so I'm good with that. That was another interesting thing to come out of this this conflict. Some, I think it might have been Brian Krebs or some, someone else, one of the other security researchers that, that put out a message that said a lot of these hackers that have been living under Russian protection all these years living in the borders, they're trying to leave Russia because they can see the writing on the wall. Uh, they want to get out of the country. But, you know, the second they leave the country and they, they take that vacation to Cyprus or Thailand, some country that has an extradition treaty with a country they're wanted in, like they have to be careful where they travel. They can't just leave Russia and not have to worry about the law. Hmm. So there's two sides of that, right? So they're actually, they actually may have be wanted. What you're saying is they may be wanted someplace else for the crimes that they've done pre-war. So they'd have to go someplace that's kind of neutral in that regard. Yeah, they yes. are pretty safe in Russia. Oh. Someone that won't extradite them to the U.S. or South Korea or yeah, one of the other countries that they've attacked. And that's part you of see, why people say, you know, it's it's pointless to indict someone that's in Russia or China because you're never going to catch them. But no, you know, some people take vacations. Some people get stuck in yeah. extradition countries for COVID reasons. So we, we've nabbed people because of these, these indictments. Maybe this will flush them out and we can finally grab them. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. All right. For our last topic, it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about subscripturation. That's when you subscribe to too many services. So what I want to know is which services do you guys subscribe to? And if you're guilty of this subscripturation. For me, I have old, old fashioned cable. I haven't been able to cut the cord yet. I have Netflix and Spotify because I have a credit card that reimburses me for those. I have a monitored alarm system because I get a huge discount on my homeowner's insurance that pays for it. Cell phone hotspot and then Amazon Prime iCloud for backup and Apple Fitness Plus. I think I got you guys beat. So I've got... I'll let you go first. Yeah, I've, I've got that and then... And then some, right? So I think Hulu, Netflix, Prime, um, Audible, Kindle, uh, keep going on and on. And I said, like you, I can't cut cable as well because I still like my local channels. All the above, I cut cable, so I, I did. I did win there, um, but. Disney Plus, plus the monitored system, um, the alarm system, the full Apple uh, Apple One plan, which is the iCloud family plan version, which has everything else in it with Fitness Plus, plus Prime, plus Kindle, plus Audible, plus, 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 all the Apple TV channels. It, it gets out of control real quick. Um, so I basically look at it probably about every two months, two to three months, and go through and figure out what is it that I've got in my active subscriptions and then cut down from there. 
Um, I've made a concerted effort to do all my subscriptions through my Apple iPhone. So I've got that in one place. Um, everything that I've got a subscription on all gets linked back to a PayPal account. So I've got one place that I can go and, and make sure that I can see what exactly is charging me every single month and being able to cut those off at the source if I need to. Yeah, so let, let me ask you this, Chris. So I, I just had a recent incursion on my credit, one of my credit cards. And I, I think uh, both of you guys, know, I, Chris knows that I do that. I, so I have an alert that you know, tells me every time something gets charged over a penny. And just recently I saw two charges that come through. Asked my kids, no one knew about it. So I, I froze the account. Basically, I froze the card. I called, I called um, Chase and I said, hey, I need you guys to replace my cards. And I asked him, I said, hey, if there are any recurring charges, can they still continue to charge? And they said, yes. And I'm like, but I just froze the account and you're sending me new credit cards. Yeah, so if there was something that was occurring, it, yeah. yeah, like how is how are people still able to continue to charge on my account? So I, I go back and I'm looking at this now going, why are there still credit card charges that, showing, that are showing up post lock? And then how do I go back and go look at that now and, and make sure that those recurring charges get moved over to the new credit card or remove those recurring charges to begin to with, me, right? It feels like the credit card equivalent of an OAuth token. Yeah. You got a valid token, it's been issued, they can continue to charge. As long yeah. as you've given them that 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 ability, you would have to go and revoke that for each of those individual vendors. Yeah, but it used to be every time where, the card got where popped, do you do that? That'd be the great reset. Like you'd be able to go through and go through, and then if it if you if you want to forget about it, you just don't change it over. And then if anything you do want to change, you have to manually go in and, and change everything. That used to be the great reset, but yeah, it sounds like that's yeah. not even a thing anymore. You could do a block on each individual charge, so that's an option. Or you go yeah. back to the people who were charging you, or you know if you really want to, you just apply for a new credit card and kill the old one. Never move it over. Yeah, I, I, I agree on but, that one. But you still have the issue that for the things that are valid, do you have a list of all the things and who to contact to be able to keep your subscription for yeah. things that you want, right? That's yeah. that's always the issue when you do have that. For anybody who's gone through identity theft, that's always yeah. the painful part, right? How yeah. do you make sure that you get the right things? Yeah, agree. And that and that's part of the whole subscription process. Like you got all these subscriptions going on, and you see these charges hitting, you're like, God, do I still use that thing? So yeah, that's the only way I could keep it sane is to try to keep it the combination of subscriptions through the, my Apple service, right? So I can look in my phone, look at my iCloud account, make sure that that's happening, and then having even my um, my Apple service doesn't. I don't use a credit card. My Apple service it goes to my PayPal. So that in the event that my my credit card, I get have an identity theft, my credit card number needs to change, I don't have to contact everybody. All I have to do is update the credit card in PayPal. So hierarchical finance for the win. Nice, nice. Multi-factor auth on it, and uh, I'm sure it's not perfect. Somebody will prove me wrong if I ever say that. But <laughs> at least, yes, I've I've engineered my payments for subscriptions. So on next week's show, we're going to have Chris walk through his. <laughs> With all my credit card numbers and social security numbers right. right there for everybody to see. Yeah. All right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, our guest Chris is up. Come on, Mr. Green oh, wow. Fingernails. Let's okay. go. Mr. Green Fingernails. Um. <laughs> 
So, ooh, I've got one for you, which you may not have heard yet. So, if I was to ask you, Glenn, for a copy of, or actually, if I was to ask Rick Astley for a copy of the Disney movie, Up, for Christmas, and he didn't give it to me, we will have created the Rick Astley paradox. Which is never going to live. Because if he does give me up, then he will have given me up. But if he doesn't give me up, then he would have let me down. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how that song played in. <laughs> nice. Hence the Rick Astley paradox, which was followed uh, by my, my teenage boy when he looked me straight in the eye and says, Dad, any salad can be a Caesar salad as long as you stab it enough. Caesar salad. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, NVIDIA is having a bad day after they got hacked and their code signing certificate got released. The House of Pain. Ukrainians are trying to take down the Russian internet. Conti is having a bad day after their source code and internal chats got leaked. And subscripturation is real, and please review your credit card statements every single month. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Petcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes Store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Petcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Glenn Medina and our guest host Chris Young, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week, and as always, have a nice day. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Have a nice day.